I appreciate your coming, even though he didn't belong to the church. I just never could get him to go. I realize Brother Simpson wasn't a religious man, but I figure he's still entitled to a Christian burial. Now, just, just hold everything. Anybody's going to give Brother Simpson a burial, you'd better ask Brother Simpson how he feels about it. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys enjoyed our our, our double dose of uh, Twilight Zone goodness over the Thanksgiving holiday. And then we're disparaging that there was no content for like a year after that. Was it a year? I feel like it was only a week. It was, but, only, um, it was only like a week. Yeah. Well, we're just giving people time to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, we could have we could have waited a week and put out Dead Man's Shoes, but it was very important that people get to it immediately after one more pallbearer. Like wash wash that out of your mouth and then, you know, the the lukewarm uh tequila with a lump of sugar. Um, you know, that was Dead Man's Shoes. That's what I had with my Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, uh, we're we're back. We're going to be talking about season three, episode nineteen, the hunt. But first, I have to ask uh, Kevin. You know, how long has it been since you've been kissed? That's what I just need to ask that question before we start the episode. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. Don't we have some? Uh, don't don't let me change the subject. Uh, don't we have some news to get to? First, we'll explain that thing later. That is not just a weird, creepy question by me. It's it's a weird. It is a weird, creepy question. I'm just not saying, hey, Kevin, how long has this been kissed? No, we have news. So it, it actually yeah. has nothing to do with the episode. Yeah, right. Paul, I Paul just do it just doing just, that out of nowhere. I just thought I just thought I had my moment at the boathouse, but now was my other moment. So I just, it just it's gone now. So all right. Um, so yeah, just as of today, so we've, we've been talking about, uh, Jordan Peele and his production of the new Twilight Zone revival on CBS all access, uh, sci-fi, uh, has ordered a, um, a reboot or a continuation of night gallery. So I thought that was uh, pertinent to bring up here because that was Serling's other series that he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's very little that's come out about it. Um, so far, it is the creator slash writer of the reboot of Teen Wolf. That was was that MTV? Yeah, that had that. Yeah. Um, so not too much of a track record for him. Uh, what is his name? Jeff. Um, uh, Jeff Davis. Jeff Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much of a track record. He pretty much has only done the Teen Wolf show and uh, some episodes for Criminal Minds. So it's, it's kind of hard to judge what it's going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to be at the helm of writing all of the episodes or if he's just going to be listed as like producer creator. Um, I don't know. It's 
Well, who I, it's one of those things we'll have to keep our eye on. Definitely not as excited about that as I am for the <laughs> Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, but uh, I don't want to be too disparaging to Jeff Davis. Yeah, just who are they going to get as the curator? Like, you know, in the terms of like, Serling was the one that like introduced the segments of the show, bring them to these different paintings. Like, you got to get you got to get like a a known talent to kind of anchor this, right? Like, I feel like, I mean, you could get you could get somebody that's up and coming, I guess, but I feel like you want to bring in like a statesman. Of the craft, get get uh, my votes for Christopher Maloney. Oh, uh, that'd be amazing. Isn't he doing that happy show? Yeah, on, that that's be, sci-fi, right? So yeah. they they have a relationship with him. That'd be a good uh, host, right? Yeah, I think I think he'd be great because not only can he do like you know serious stuff because he did a bunch of like SVU. He also was the uh, was it the the cook and what hot American summer? Like I just yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I'm just gonna go fondle some sweaters. No, I just think like, Christopher Maloney would be amazing. I, I just I'm just trying to think who else you'd want to bring in. I just, I'm just trying to think like sci-fi channel level, you know, like they're not level. like a list, you know, like no. Jordan Peele, I feel like has a lot of friends and get, a lot of notoriety right now. Me, like he's got some pull. Um, Edward James almost get him back into the sci-fi <laughs> family and have him be the yeah, host. Cool. Uh, Cause I know like, so uh, brief aside about, about him, whenever he was doing Battlestar Galactica for sci-fi, uh, he said, if there's any time there's a storyline involving an alien creature, he's like, I'm going to walk on set, fake a heart attack, and then I'm leaving the series. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the idea that they bring him back to introduce all these like weird vignettes that are more sci-fi bent than there are, you know, horror, which uh, someone described Night Gallery as more science fiction than horror. My, I'll be honest, my, um, my knowledge of uh, Night Gallery is very limited. Um, I yeah, know my, mine's pretty lacking. Yeah. I'm hoping at some point we'll get to it just so uh, now with our kind of grounding with the Twilight Zone, it'd be interesting to see where this what this turned into. Yeah, I mean, we should at least see the segment that Spielberg. It was his first directing gig. We, we should at least watch that one. And I think I've seen that one before. Um, it's uh, the story of someone who gets a eye, an eye transplant and they have like 24 hours to see. And I won't go further into it. But the way he directs yeah. some of the stuff and that's uh, pretty interesting. So I feel like there there yeah. there's something to be I, had there. I don't know if we'd go through episode by episode because that's more the, those those episodes are more like three stories per hour or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I I know I've seen a, quite a few of them just kind of here and there on reruns and everything, but I can't really recall <laughs> episodes off the top of my head. So I just also yeah. remember the Simpsons Treehouse of Terror that used that as a framing device, and then the last picture they showed, the last painting was dogs playing poker, and they're like, "Isn't this pure madness?" And like, here's something about vampires, and that was like, their cutaway. So, um, <laughs> I, either way, like, I'm just my biggest hope for this is that uh, it may not be the same amount of money or talent input, and that may not be true because who knows? Because like talent is. It, that's one of those um you can't really you can't really measure that in terms of like if you bring someone it's an unknown maybe they're amazing to this like like in terms yeah, of there's, like, there's yeah. plenty of amazing unknown actors yeah. out there you know and, and, that, yeah. that we don't know of I'm, but I, I you need somebody to carry it that like you said yeah. you need that host so I I'd be curious to see what they do with so it. So I'm hoping that it may not it may not reach for the heights that this new Twilight Zone is going to go for because I, I unfortunately the bar set pretty high for me for the new twilight zone. And I just feel like, cause everything I keep hearing makes me more and more excited for it. This with a, with the night gallery, it's like, I'm hoping that I go in with lower expectations and I'm just blown away by like segments. I'm not expecting every single thing to be a winner. Um, I'm not expecting every single episode of the twilight zone to be a winner. Uh, I'm not expecting every episode of this twilight zone that we're talking about to be a winner, uh, but I just want, like, I want to see, 
them letting some of their creative, like the writers and people coming to it, like exploring and not just being stuck in the expectation because I think the Twilight Zone, people kind of hold this in such a high regard that like, I, I hope there, there's not that fear to try something different. That's that's my biggest worry. I just don't, I don't want more of the same. Um, I do want smart like writing. I want twists I don't see. I want like nice character development, but you don't have to keep going back to the same wells. Give me something different, and maybe, maybe because the the stakes are so low with Night Gallery, maybe they'll do that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'd like to see them go outside of like genre stuff too. You yeah. know, like with the Twilight Zone doing all the westerns and everything. And this week, I mean, sort of a western, more, <laughs> more just like Americana and everything. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it, this is the opportunity because there's not a ton of money going into this i would assume so i feel like their best bet would just be to lie on the creativity of the people involved so there's there's an opportunity to tell really good different stories on this one that they might not be able to get away with on cbs well yeah like so not to keep going on with this but like the outer limits people still hold that up but the outer limits was like that carved out sci-fi Right. Yeah. And with um, yeah. and with Twilight Zone, it was always like kind of more of an open space. And I feel like Night Gallery with with the idea that everything's kind of kicked off with a painting that shouldn't hold you to genre. Right. But yeah, I, like, yeah you can do anything. Yeah. Like a magic eye painting, like or something. I don't know. Like, like, like do you see the sailboat? Here's a tale of madness. Enjoy. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Um, Thomas Kincaid, yeah, Thomas Kincaid paintings. This is going to be that's it's going to be a pure nightmare of color and 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 light is what's going to be. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it's exciting. Serling, Serling's coming back on the forefront. Um, like when I texted Kevin about this earlier, he was like, "Oh, we might become relevant." I like that we're becoming relevant, talking about a show that's fifty years past, and somehow we're in the middle of the swell of people coming back to something that's been well known and established. So yeah, maybe. But I like I like that we were like paddling out in front of the wave like two years previous. So yeah, we we liked it before it was cool. Everybody, <laughs> I guess fifty years um, after, yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to bring up uh, if you guys are subscribing to Netflix, please go check out the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the new Coen Brothers movie. Uh, if you're a fan of the Twilight Zone and if you're listening to our podcast, I would assume you are. I hope you are. Um, there are some segments in that that really remind me of some of the Western episodes that we've covered. And I know we haven't been totally on board with all of the Western ones we've seen so far but if you enjoyed dust even if you enjoy aspects of mr denton on doomsday and stuff like that um i i mean there are segments that feel like they could have been twilight zone episodes so and it, i mean there's an episode uh or a segment of that movie because it's an anthology film uh that kind of gave me the same feel as the episode we're reviewing tonight so it was kind of perfect hmm. uh the stars kind of aligned as i watched that movie and this episode and uh, I felt like it was a good time to bring it up. Okay, perfect. I still need to watch it. I like it, it's the Coen Brothers. It's a western. I don't know why I haven't gotten to it yet. It's just I. It's it's terrible. I, like I see the runtime. I'm like ah, maybe not. Like and it's it's not that should yeah. not be the way that I judge a film. But I'm like, <laughs> but it's it's over two hours. And it's one of those to be honest, like, you can yeah. watch it in segments. There's yeah. really nothing tying the segments together. Outside of like a book, like the page is turning. I was hoping it was um, like a, the same tumbleweed would just blow through all the segments. <laughs> like a tumbleweed. So I, I know my yeah. dad was watching it, and uh, when he was telling me about it, he had only made it through like three of the segments. He was just starting and stopping it. Because it's basically like a Western pulp book, and they're going from story to story. 
Well, the original like the the original deal that Netflix had with the Coens was this was supposed to be like a series, and then they're like, nope, it's just going to be a movie. So no, the idea, so they just kind of had to figure out a way to tie it together. Yeah, a little bit. So it was supposed to be like this, like um, limited run, like movie, which or not, sorry, movie series. Which if they felt like they didn't have enough legs to make like eight, like one hour episodes, good on them to recognize where their um, their story started and stopped. So, but yeah. I still need to see it. So I'm looking forward to it, and I just I just haven't. I have no excuses other than I've not watched it. Yeah, it. it I think you'll enjoy segments of it, like any anthology film. Uh, overall it's hit or miss, okay. but the ones that hit really hit for me. Um, so it's, it's enough that I definitely recommend it. Perfect. All right. So I appreciate that we've spent 10 minutes plus not talking about the hunt, but I feel like we should probably <laughs> talk about the hunt. Always so. a good sign. right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I it just, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm not tipping my hand too early, but we'll get to this. So season three, episode 19, the hunt. Air date, uh, January 26, 1962. Number one film, El Seed. Number one song, The Twist, Chubby Checker, coming back strong, like we talked about previously. Um, on this date, because it would not be an episode of Strange Highways without mentioning something horrific happening on this date. Um, oh, no. 17 employees at the National Steel Company in Volta Redonda, Brazil, were killed when a ladle of molten steel poured down upon them during the morning shift. Oh. That's... That's worse than getting hit by a helicopter uh, blade. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, but it's also the morning shift. So these people woke up, you know, like they're just, they got their coffee. They're like, they're looking forward to the molten steel. Like, it's just, it's horrific. Like you, you guys have seen Terminator two. Like there's no, there is no like going into the steel and then putting your thumb up, you know, as like, you know, as a thumbs up to Edward Furlong, this is horrific. And I have to mention it just because I read it. And it was weird, and it, it's the show, and we have to mention these things. So, unfortunately, this day, um, 17 employees, you know, maybe maybe after this, they ended up in uh, a little, like, uh, dirt path, <laughs> and, and they had to figure out where to go. Maybe that's what happened after, and they don't, they don't know, and hopefully a dog was around. That, that's, that's what I'm hoping for these people. Yep. Well, we just <laughs> talked about the episode there, so we're good. I, yeah. So, all right. Let's just get the cast and crew. All right. So this episode was directed by Harold D. Schuster, who this was his only Twilight Zone episode. I wasn't too familiar with his work, but I guess he was more known as an editor before this point in hmm. his career. And uh, I, I don't know if editors weren't credited uh, at a certain point in Hollywood, but most of the movies he's credited as, as a editor, he was listed as uncredited. Hmm. I, I mean, I feel like over time, the, maybe the industry itself, yeah, maybe the, they recognized, recognized the role yeah. of an editor a little bit more because I, 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 I feel bad because we always talk about like the pacing of, of like a thing or whatever. Editing has a big role in that. Like we talked about, um, uh, what was it? Um, the 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 time helmet episode just a couple couple back. Um, once upon a time, and how they realized the pacing of it was like so odd that they had to go back and shoot stuff in the middle, and like a lot of that had to be heaped upon the editor to make that episode make sense, right? So, I, I feel like there and there's a lot of other there, there's specific directors and, and and writers that will work with specific editors to try to 
you know, to make sure that the vision's intact. But an editor can go along. Like I think there was an even episode we talked about earlier where um, an editor was so um, obstinate that he was like, this is the way this is going to be, that they had to change the rules in Hollywood about the power that an editor has over the content. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean... I, you know, good on Schuster if he was known more for an editor. Um, I know this was his second to last directing credit, so he didn't direct much. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Weirdly enough, he did not direct this episode, though. That credit belongs to Bill Mosher. Really? Uh, yeah. So, because oh. I, 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 that's what I was expecting. I was like, oh, this might be a fun piece of trivia. And I looked, and I was like, no, not him. So, oh. I don't know. Maybe he was just like, I've had it with cut and film. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm done. <laughs> um, this episode was written by Earl Hamner Jr. This is the first of eight episodes that he's done, which puts him as the fourth biggest contributor to the series. Yeah. Um, and then I figured it was Serling, Beaumont, Matheson, and then Earl Hamner Jr. Yeah. So the big thing about him is that, uh, and spoiler alert, uh, in season five, he wrote an episode called You Drive, which I've talked about previously that when we were trying to do research to start the show off, I watched a couple random episodes. I did not like that episode and maybe, maybe my opinion will change in two years, but he wrote that one. And then he also wrote the screenplay for the very last episode of the series, the bewitching pool. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I heard, I think it's uh season four, whatever the episode he'd done is considered to be his, like his greatest work on the series. Okay. So I'm kind of excited. It sounds like it's, it's an improvement on the atmosphere of this episode. Well, so, there, there's some there, kind there of is some discussion about, about his intent versus what was shown, and we'll get to that a little later. Um, he is mainly known as the creator and the narrator of the Waltons, which that has nothing to do with this episode whatsoever. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and he was given a story credit for the original Charlotte's Web, and then because they made a remake of it, he got story credit for that as well. Um, so he has this kind of like down-home... Like you said, Americana, like this kind of like, you know, like this is because this is how you kind of grew up and you can kind of hear that voice in this this entire time. So that makes sense. I didn't know that he like when I first started my, doing my research, I'm like, oh, he re- wrote other episodes of Twilight Zone. They have to be different than this one. Right. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. So I, I think there are three that kind of take uh, that Americana vibe that I was talking about. And the rest are completely different. Good. I'm sorry. That sounds bad. Oh, well, subconscious there coming out right there. Um, Yeah. So per IMDb, you you appreciate this on his trivia. He had a collection of 50 bonsai trees. I just want to mention that Earl Hamner had 50 tiny trees that he probably shaped and was guided by Pat Morita how to cut them. So, man, how do you have room for all that? (laughs) I mean, it's a, it's a veritable tiny forest, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess the two main leads in this were considered as the leads in the Waltons. Did you read that as well? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Old woman and old man. Right. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Earl <laughs> Hamner Jr. Not the, not the last time we'll be talking about him for sure. No. He's going to be popping up quite a bit from here on out. Um, so we'll jump into cast here. We have Arthur Honeycutt, who plays Hyder Simpson, which I don't think they ever gave his first name. They just referred to him as old man. Yeah, I think time. they called him Hyder a couple of times, but I've seen this. I've seen this episode two and a half times and I, you, I, I couldn't speak to it. So like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, um, but he's yeah. old man Simpson. Old man Simpson. Uh, yes. This is his only Twilight Zone episode as well. 
Uh, he was in a bunch of westerns, most notably Broken Arrow, El Dorado, Cat Baloo. Um, that's all I had written down for him. <laughs> he was born in Gravelly, Arkansas. So gra- yeah. Gravelly, um, or it could be pronounced Graverly. I don't, but Gravelly sounds better. And the accent that he uses during this episode, for good and for bad, is actually an Arkansas accent. Um, so he's more speaking with how he grew up versus well, like would it be an insult to say he played this uh he played this kind of uh <laughs> i i was gonna say it was kind of corny but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it's an insult it, now no no not at all um so in 1952 he was nominated for an academy award for best supporting actor in howard hawks's film big sky um and so that's that's of interest he, that he actually did who enough. Was in that was that kirk douglas i don't know <laughs> I now I gotta me, look it up. Like, I did, did I look up the film? No. Do I write it down as as, as trivia to make it sound like I know what I was talking about? Yes. Um. So, also while you look that up, yeah, he was it was Kirk. It was Kirk Douglas. Okay. There you okay. go. Yeah. Uh, he played Uncle Jesse in a film, uh, 1975's Moon Runners. That was a film about a Southern family that are bootleggers, right? So, in 1979, that film would be retrofitted into the Dukes of Hazard. Oh wow! Yeah, so he was Uncle Jesse before whoever Uncle Jesse was. I I can't remember the actor that played that in the TV show. So that's interesting. I also feel like Moonrunners is a way better name than Dukes of Hazard. That's just me. Um, and I also like in his trivia for IMDb.com is the statement of has never appeared in a film nominated <laughs> for the Best Picture Oscar, which I want to argue neither have I. So I don't know if that's trivia, like you know. I mean, yeah, Kevin, have uh, you been, have you been in a film that was nominated for an Oscar? Best I don't picture? think so. Best, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I saw that too. I was like, a, another weird, uh, begrudging, like, like, like oddly specific. Like, yeah, it's, it's somebody had to go on there and put that. Like, I I don't understand yeah. who's putting in these trivia facts on IMDb. Yeah, uh, but so. yeah, definitely an actor who. Uh, was typecast into a certain role throughout his career. Yeah. I guess he was he was never seen. He was rarely seen without a beard in any role that he was in. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. But uh, yeah, so so Arthur Honeycutt, he's going to be our uh, main driving force in this episode. So, yep. Uh, yeah. Next up, we have Jeanette Nolan, who plays Rachel Simpson, his wife. Um, this she was in one other Twilight Zone episode, one episode of Hawaiian Eye. Um, yes. Uh, few. Uh, her first role was in Macbeth in 1948 with Orson Welles, which is amazing. Highly recommend. Um, I forget what company put a Blu-ray out a few years ago of that. Um, it, w- it wasn't the Mercury Theater. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was uh, Olive Films. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they they put a Blu-ray out of that. It is a gorgeous transfer. I was gonna be surprised. Uh, definitely if, like, recommend RKO checking that out. Pictures put out Blu-rays. I'm like, wait, they did they did that? So yeah. <laughs> Um, she was the voice. She was one of the voices in the Fox and the Hound. Um, she was in a movie called The Manitou, based on the book with Tony Curtis. About I, have you ever seen this? The Manitou. That's um, uh, Girdler, William Girdler. That I still need to see this film. Right? Is that the one yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. So um, there's a girl that gets a growth on her back. Turns out to be a spirit of like uh, old Native American. Yeah, that it was, grows it was the out last, of her back. Uh, last film William Girdler made before he died in a helicopter crash because that's a, a recurring theme. 
on the yeah. show. Um, we had recently on the other show that I do, which um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll mention the other show that I do in a second because you'll crack up about something else that was related to the Twilight Zone. Um, we talked about Abby, which is a William Girdler film, and then I watched Grizzly this year uh, for the first time, which is also William Girdler. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I'm going to just do like a brief aside here to say like, so last year around this time we covered uh, night of the meek, uh, which was the Christmas episode of, uh, twilight zone with Art Carney. Um, and I, and I was surprised myself that it was one of my favorite episodes of last season. Um, so I had the unfortunate, um, I don't know how to describe it opportunity to watch the star Wars holiday special from 1978 <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, Art Carney's in that as well. And this has nothing to do with this episode of Twilight Zone, but I just want to mention that I've had back-to-back years watching a holiday-related special with Art Carney and how I absolutely fell in love with the one from last year and absolutely despised the one that I watched this year. And Art Carney was the connecting tissue between both of them. So Was he dressed as Santa Claus? I don't... <laughs> what was he? He was like some I, kind of like... I've seen that like years ago. I can't remember anything. He was some anything. kind of like I've odds kind of and ends it. like shop owner. And he showed up at like the Wookiee house and talking to all the Wookiees. And <laughs> it was... It, it's, it, it is a... It's a nightmare of a special. So that's what I'll say about that. But yeah, I just saw Art terrible. Carney and I'm I've blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, it's so bad. It's good. I'm like, it's one of those things that I think should have just been forgotten about. Well, thankfully, and however you want to judge that, I watched this like three days ago for the first time. I, I went 40 years of my life without seeing the Star Wars holiday special. And I decided just as being an idiot to suggest as something to talk about on the other show that I do, the invasion of the podcast with Steve and Steve's like, you know, there are long stretches there where Wookiees just talk. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. And I started to sit down and watch it, and you guys can listen to that episode. We just it just came out um, yesterday called Life Day, uh, or Happy Life Day. Uh, I did not realize that that was a two hour special, and I'm like, what did I get myself into? So it yeah, was it's, uh, it's a nightmare. It's terrible. <laughs> like that's a perfect word <laughs> to describe it. Sorry, it's, I did not it's mean, not fun. I did not mean to thread jack the the cast and crew here, but yeah, Art Carney. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, I just wanted to mention that he made me very happy to the point of tears last year, and he made me very sad to the point of tears this year. And he's been like long since gone from this earth. So, all right. Anyway, n- let's let us never speak of the Star Wars holiday special ever again. Yeah, all of us, please. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, the only thing I had written down for Jeanette Nolan was the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, so change yeah. of gears a little bit there. <laughs> she was uh, she was in Cloak and Dagger, two episodes of Night Court. Um, I want to mention she was also the uncredited voice of Norma Bates in Psycho. Uh, oh. She okay. was in a Fritz Lang film called The Big Heat. And so I had to put in my notes, was she bit on the hand by him? Because that's something that we know happened. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, quite the career for Jeanette Nolan. <laughs> yeah, um, not uh, not too many big roles in this outside of Arthur Honeycutt. So she was that's true. She was in this for maybe two minutes of screen time. Yeah. So, but she was great. She was she was fantastic in this. Uh, next up, we have Robert Falk, who plays the gatekeeper. This is his only Twilight Zone episode. He was in one episode of Hawaii and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy was one of those character actors. He had like 275 credits to his name. Uh, yeah. Uh, his last role was in the 77 version of Pete's Dragon. Um, and then his big, his biggest claim to fame, he was in a reoccurring role on Lassie as Sheriff Miller. Yeah, that kind of ties into this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a dog. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I mean, there's some familiar TV shows and everything in there, but um, like yeah, he, it's just it, it, I, I there's really, so many. I, when I saw him, insane. I just thought I knew him from a lot of things, and it's like and it turns out like he wasn't a lot of things, just things I didn't know. But he had he had something he had like a presence and charisma for like the 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 minute and a half or whatever he was on the screen. I liked him a lot as like an actor because he felt like the only like. You know, Arthur Honeycutt, fine. Like, he is a hayseed, playing a hayseed. That's fine. And the guy obviously was nominated for an Oscar, so who am I to judge acting ability? But I feel like whenever, um, you know, this guy showed up, the gatekeeper showed up on screen, I felt like, finally, someone that knows how to deliver the line and actually be a character. And I and I thought I knew him from something else, Arthur, and I did not know him at all from anything. Arthur Honeycutt was not nominated for actor, right? Uh, uh, sorry, for an uh, Oscar, right? Best supporting actor, but he was never in a film that was nominated for best picture. That's the important thing to remember. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, I see here. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but Robert Folk. I, I really thought I knew him for something else, and I was. Wrong. I thought I knew him from another episode of Twilight Zone. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. There's nothing through his filmography that I would have been like, "That's it." You know, like <laughs> usually when you go through, you're like, "That's how I recognize yeah. him." I mean, he's in like random episodes of like a ton of Western shows that maybe I've seen his face, but there's no way I would have remembered it. Was he in Man um, from Uncle at all? Uh, I'm joking. I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm still I, on the first uh, first season of that. Okay. But yeah, yeah just, no, I, I thought he had he had he had like a charisma. That's not even the right word, but like he actually was like a legitimate actor that like he knew his character. For, and we'll get to it in a second when we talk about the story. Like, he felt like the only person that actually, like, knew what was going on, like, as, like, being on a set and delivering lines in this episode. Uh, him and the dog were, like, the most convincing people in this episode. Oh, sorry. Him, the dog, and then the raccoon were the three most convincing people or, or items in this episode. Yeah. Unfortunately, the dog was not credited. Oh. I was I was really excited because uh, we've had some great conversations about uh, actor animals. Yeah, and <laughs> there was nothing on there. I yeah. was bummed out. Um, did you get right, Did so, you get any information about the raccoon? Did that one show up again later? I don't know. No, that that one didn't pop the up. The raccoon in the was, played on by, IMDb. was played by Robert McCord in one of his eighty three appearances. On <laughs> the dog and the raccoon were both Robert McCord. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, sorry. Please let's yeah. Let, yeah. Yeah, we'll blow through uh, some of these here. Dexter DuPont plays uh, Angel. Only Twilight Zone appearance. Only had three credits to yeah, his name. No surprise there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, terrible. Uh, Orville Sherman plays Tillman Miller. Uh, he was in Westworld. Did a bunch of TV work. This was his only Twilight Zone yeah, appearance. The, the original Westworld film. And also, I believe that he yeah, should have yeah, been called. I figured that would go without saying. <laughs> he should have been called Orville Sherman in this episode. Because that, that name is about as like an old timey as Tillman Miller, but like Orville Sherman as himself. Yep. Um, we have Charles seal who plays Reverend wood, uh, who is also in Westworld. He was in duel. Mm -hmm. And I know I've brought it up before on the show, the movie. <laughs> Good. Um, if you were going to mention that, I was going to, I wrote that in my notes. So thank you. Yeah. I feel like I always mention that movie just cause it has one of the best titles of all time. Yeah. Um, and this was his only twilight zone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Do you have anybody then else? Lastly, yeah. yeah, we got we got one more person who I'm not even sure. I assume this is the other guy that's uh, <laughs> digging in this episode. We have Titus Mode. Um, this was his only Twilight Zone appearance. He started out just doing odd jobs on a lot of like uh, 
uh, like beach movies and he was in uh jack hill's pit stop which is an incredible uh kind of teenage racing movie from the 60s that deals with figure eight racing which is basically uh the track is a figure eight and the cars actually cross each other in the middle oh so there's almost like a demolition it's like demolition derby mixed with racing Oh, and I like that. There's actual footage of it in the movie. It, nobody really does it anymore, from what I can tell. But um, it's it's insane to watch. We've lost and our Jack spine. Hill. We've lost our spine as a country that we don't do figure eight racing anymore. <laughs> That's know? the problem with yeah, our country, right? <laughs> we don't um, actively drive into each other as sport. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have plenty of demolition der- derbies. Let's not. Uh, Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, here. but is reversing uh, is is reversing bat like as manly as driving actively driving into like somebody like full speed into a <laughs> intersection where you might just jackknife someone. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine getting in a car and trying to do that. But I can't the movie imagine getting in a by car. Jack Hill. Yeah. So, um, I, I, sorry, I can't imagine getting in a car and like actively reversing into another car. Like I can't even imagine that. Let alone driving that. forward. <laughs> It sounds like fun. I would do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, next year. That's what we're going to do. We're, you and I will be a uh, two man scheme in a demolition derby. Let's do it. Let's I'll do spend it. spend 200 bucks on a car. We'll Let's use my, we'll use my Honda fit. It's fine. It'll be paid off by that time. You know, all I that cargo think space. it's kind of, I think you have to have some know-how. I think there are regulations on like, you have to get the windshield out and like the windows out. And I think you have to have like some sort of protective cage installed. You have in the to have a reinforced roll cage type thing. So yeah, I, I, there, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Cause I always said my first car was a Ford tempo and I was like, man, when this thing goes, I'm going out in glory. I'm just going to enter a demolition derby, just spray paint it black and green. I had, <laughs> and then I, I realized how much work went into yes. prepping a car for demolition derby. And I just sold the car. Well, cause you also have to disconnect the gas tank and actually put the gas like behind you. Like you have to put like a limited fuel supply supply so it doesn't yeah. get like hit yeah. um i had an 88 corolla like the tiniest car in the world that whenever um i had a situation where um i had to get rid of the car and the engine was still good but the like the everything else was going bad on it they they told me that they literally considered putting it in for derby but then they're like nope this is just like it's a shit car and i'm like yeah it's an 88 corolla this car is not even it, good enough for a demolition derby <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's what you're telling me <laughs> yes oh <laughs> uh, that's sad yeah sorry anyway please continue but yeah jack tell- hill if you're not if you're not familiar uh incredible uh director he did foxy brown coffee big bird cage switchblade sisters um pit stop obviously spider baby um a, a ton of stuff like the guys the guy's a legend spider baby is that the one with film. lon cheney jr yeah, yeah, it's got Sid Haig. And, okay, I've uh, seen that one. That wow, that that is a weird pull. All right, yeah, um, it's yeah. it's a it, that's a really fun movie. It's got one of my favorite uh, theme songs ever too. So, um, um, but yeah, so Titus Mode ended up eventually getting into like the sexploitation and adult mm-hmm. film world. Yes, um, which it, some of the titles he was in: The Dirtiest Game, Phantasm Comes Again, uh, one that sounds amazing from like 2001 called Malibu Beach Vampires. Yes, I wrote that down. <laughs> Hollywood yeah. She Wolves. He was also in. You yeah. should check out his IMDb com photo, like I, I dot com photo. Sorry, imdb.com photo. You should look at the dog that he's oh, holding. It's, it's amazing. I, I have it up right now. I never <laughs> closed it from like three hours ago. 
that um, poor dog. Like <laughs> the yeah. things he's he's seen. <laughs> yeah, he's like I've seen Malibu Beach vampires and I've seen Hollywood she wolves. Yeah, and dirty western too, smoking guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. all right, there we so, go. So I mean, dude sounds like he had fun with his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was also in uh, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Which I think is credited as having the longest movie title ever, but I could be mistaken on that. All right, I I, I like it. Like you know, sometimes you just got to lean into the things that you know that you're available to do. So uh, yeah, or know. the things you enjoy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, evidently. So all right, um, this yeah, might be the longest. In. Yeah, this might be the longest we've taken to get to the story, and the shortest we'll get to talking about it. So yeah, let's just get to let's get to Serling talking about this. About, yes, about please, Serling. An old man and a hound dog named Rip Off for an evening's pleasure in quest of raccoon Usually these evenings end with one tired old man One battle-scarred hound dog And one or more extremely dead raccoons But as you may suspect, that will not be the case tonight These hunters won't be coming home from the hill They're headed for the backwoods of the Twilight Zone Raccoon, yeah, and dog, yes. <laughs> dog. They, they, no, yeah. no one says the names of animals right in this episode. So yes, yep. Yeah. So we start out in this episode. We got this cabin in the in the country, and you got that great harmonica score going on behind it that uh, basically is playing the same three chords <laughs> the entire episode, from what I could tell. Um, and you see an old man outside chopping wood, and he comes in carrying the uh, firewood into the house and his wife, Rachel doesn't want him to come in with the dog rip into the house. That's important because it's mirrored later in the yeah. episode. Um, yeah. And they, 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 they keep referring to each other as old woman and old man. And she talks about like, I don't want that dog in this house. And it's like, I feel like this is a conversation they have every day, you know, like, and it's just, it's this whole thing of like, it's almost like it's a joke to them. About like, well, you can't just say that about the dog. He will hear you, you know, and it's like, and he's, he saved my life more than once, you know, and this whole thing. And I don't know about you, but the moment like the started getting to this aw shuck Southern type of like hazy talk, I was like, what is going on here? Like I just was gritting my teeth. Cause I just like this whole harmonica and log cabin. I was like, the, the, I don't know where this is going. I don't like it already. And I, I feel bad for immediately feeling turned off to an episode, but it's just like everything was like, there's all these like warning bells sound. Yeah. It's, it's like Andy Griffith meets Lassie. Like as the episode starts, it's just, it's it. I'm happy. I really thought when I saw the screenshots for this episode, that this was going to end up being a comedy. And I'm really happy that it's not necessarily overtly a comedy. And so by screenshots, did you mean the ones that I found in the episode or the ones that you just found online? Cause I was trying. Uh, just the ones on like the IMDB page. <laughs> well, cause even when we were talking about this last, uh, the last episode that the way Sterling was selling it, it was like for people that don't have a sense of humor, I'm like, uh Oh, here we go for a comedy episode. And this was more, yeah, it was so saccharine and sincere that it just, it just hurt like how, how aw shucks it was trying to be in the first, I mean, well, through all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. There's moments that give you like a nice melancholic feel yeah. about it and everything. And I, I don't think the episode is a total, total failure. Um, 
But yeah, the, definitely some of these scenes go on way too long and the dialogue comes off as really hammy and bad. It comes off as really hamner. That's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not familiar enough with his work to call it that. So we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, they're they're having this back and forth and stuff when they get in the house and that's when you get the creepy line about when's the last time we've got yourself kissed um <laughs> thank you for bringing that back up because i might have just let that lay the people yeah like, I, I just want to make sure that uh <laughs> that got explained and so she tries she's given some cute answer about one yeah. last time and he was like well i guess i'm fixing to give you a kiss and she's like oh no old man don't and then he does and they're all happy and they sit down for supper yeah <laughs> and then, yeah it, it's just it's 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 not it's not a good start to this episode <laughs> and then he was like talking about he was like feeding the dog scraps and she's like you don't go feeding that dog and he's like well you know if i don't feed him now he's like he's not gonna be around later and she's like what are you talking about and he's like i'm gonna go you know coon hunting and she's like i wish you wouldn't and she talks about these different like you know omens that she saw and he and he, yeah. kept this, he kept so this she saw a blood moon and then one of the other nights a bird flew in the house while he was out hunting and landed on his side of the bed and it died i assume it didn't she was it didn't land on the side of the bed it lit upon the side of the bed uh, and it was one of those things where I'm like, what did she say? Like, I just felt like, you know, like there's, there's something way worse that happened to this side of the bed with the bird litting upon the side of his bed. So it <laughs> took me a second to have to understand what she was talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's like, well, I'm going anyway. So <laughs> he ends, he ends up going hunting. Um, so you get a, you get a, probably a five minute sequence of him and the dog hunting down a raccoon. And, uh, the dog is fantastic in this episode. Yeah. Um, outside of the raccoon, it's my favorite actor. Like I, feel yeah. Like and I then like the raccoon, I, I don't know what they did with those. I assume they were stock footage, but it matched up perfectly. It I did. No, it couldn't have been stock footage. Cause there's scenes of the dog chasing it up the tree. Right. I, if you go back and watch like the raccoon, they had it like in the foreground and then it was doing its thing with like, it's cute raccoon hands where it was like looking at stuff. And then the dog, chase the raccoon i don't I, I just know that it had yeah there was a lot of like inserted but it was on noises. the same set though so it had to have been some sort of trained raccoon right i don't i don't think so i think that the raccoon they eventually just put on that tree branch that was over the water which we'll get to in a second they're like just just go just, they just, just, just put do, it in yeah whatever happened they kind of worked around it they're looking like uh, like uh, the, the director was like hey raccoon act and he was like what should i do something with my hands you know <laughs> I don't, I don't, I was impressed though. Cause I mean, even thinking back on it, like I thought there were scenes of the dog and the raccoon together. Um, but you know what? Maybe I, it I, was just how smooth the editing was. On the this. the so editing Bill, was pretty Bill smooth. Mosher. Yeah. There you go. I like that. Like shout out. the raccoon ran up the tree and then disappeared. And, 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 um, and a hider was like, Oh, I tricked you. Didn't he boy? And he's like, well, it tricked you too. You're a grown man. You know, like what's wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> And then, and then the raccoon runs off towards the branch, towards the my water. My favorite, yeah. uh, when he says he's going hunting, my wife walked through the room and she was like, nope, the dog's going hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, do you like all the random inserted dog yelping and like, not yelping, but like, like uh, attentive noises that were being inserted with, oh, like, it was, it was really fun with my dog in the room. He was, <laughs> he was really upset about this episode. Was he upset about the dog or the raccoon? Because I feel like that would be no, the dog parts. sounds. Okay, 
He kept running up and down the steps looking to see where the noises were coming from. Did, you, did you go running down the steps and then like suddenly find yourself in the middle of a pond after? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what happens next. The raccoon goes and jumps into a pond or river, well, it, whatever it was. The, the, the raccoons like it, it does this whole like um, Tom and Jerry thing where it goes out to the edge of the branches and causes rip, you know, the great hunting dog to go jumping into the water and then Hyder sees the dog in the water, and he's like, oh, you should have done that. You're going to sink like a stone. And then his whole inclination is to go jumping in after the dog, and then he immediately sinks like a stone into this water. Yeah, he does an amazing dive into the water, though. He does, though. yeah. I was shocked. I was expecting him just to kind of dip in, and nope, he does no. a full dive. Yeah, like he does. This. He does, like, the Roddy Dangerfield triple Lindy. Not really, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, like, I mean, as as ridiculous and preposterous as it is, like he cares about the the dog, and he goes in after it. And then I love how like the whole camera focuses on the fact that like no air is coming up on this water, like they're gone, and that's it. And then the raccoon they they make sure to show a point that the raccoon like wanders off the branch and back into like the nature. Yeah, yeah, laughing. Yes. Um, no, it wasn't laughing. It was it was uh, like it was like um like like uh templing its fingers together like Mr. Burns. It was steepling its fingers <laughs> like <laughs> you know, yeah. Yep. So, we go to commercial. There's just bubbles coming up out of the water and they don't come up. <laughs> um so we go to commercial and you find them both leaning against the the down tree that was next to the pond there. And yep. um they get up and they start walking down the trail again. And they find two men digging a grave. You find out that it's a grave for a dog. A dog. Yeah, the, the argument. A sorry. And, and, Excuse me. <laughs> well, a no, robot and a dog. I, the only reason I mentioned that is because, one, because the old woman says it. And also, um, uh, I, I grew up in West Virginia. And, and, and um, I never said the word dog wrong. But. Uh, but my mom grew up in West Virginia. Like when she was like younger, like she had the Southern draw. And then when they moved out to California, like at some point when my mother was younger, she was in a California school and she said the word dog and they, and the teacher actually forced her in front of the class to stand there and say the word dog over and over again until the Southern affectation fell off. Oh, wow. So whenever I hear anybody say the word dog, I immediately think of like, my mother's inadvertent humiliation for saying a word that she thought she was saying correctly to begin with. And so um, every time I hear the word dog, I'm like, that's not what you say. It's dog. That's what the animal is. So yeah, um, it's, it's a weird thing that gets stuck in my head watching this episode, but it's like, I, it, but the, the old woman called it a dog, you know, I don't know why, but then, but then when they're digging the grave, the one guy's like, well, it, you know, the, the, this is three feet. And the guy's like, well, that's not, that's not, that's not deep enough for a dog. Like, I don't know yeah. what the proper depth is for a dog to be buried, but they, they were, they were squabbling over it. Yeah. And they reveal, he's like, you know, this isn't a normal dog. This is Rip. Do <laughs> yeah, so it's Rip. you, we, as the viewer find out that they're digging a grave for the dog. So we find out that they are in fact dead. They drowned, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, you could assume by the bubbles coming up. Yeah. Right. So, or if you've watched any other twilight zone episodes, <laughs> this is my biggest frustration with this episode is that, like uh, Hyder repeatedly keeps talking to everybody around him, but everybody else is talking that he's already dead and gone and uh rip is gone. So RIP rip. And he is not picking up until like it, it, it comes later in the, in, in the house. And we'll get to that in a second. It's like, he's like commenting on everybody's like, Oh, you shouldn't be burying anything on my property. And everyone's like, well, it's, it, he was a good dog. And he's like, Oh, 
well, I didn't know you're bearing a dog. No wonder you're not talking to me. And he just wanders off. I'm like, Ugh, that's yeah. not the so his excuse yeah. that no one's hearing him or talking to him is that the people bearing the dog are too heartbroken for talking. <laughs> so like yeah. he keeps coming up with these excuses why no one's hearing him or speaking to him. Yeah. I, I um, like, the, like so whole- this one was fine. Like I, I was, I was kind of okay with the first instance, but they go so long yes. with you knowing he's dead and just frustrating watching him trying to figure it out. And I figured this next scene, so he gets home and he walks in and Rachel's sitting in the rocking chair and she's wearing a funeral veil. Dressed and up for the 4th of July is what he says. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that's how I dress for the 4th of July. But <laughs> <laughs> All in black in your veil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Uh, but I doubt that they would. Yeah. Um, so the priest comes out, uh, Reverend Wood, he comes out of the room and he's talking that uh, she thanks him for coming out and stuff. And that, uh, old man wasn't religious man, but, um, he, he basically says, you know, everyone deserves a Christian burial and all that. Um, yeah. But so I figured at this point that the old man had picked up on what was going on. And again, I, I love, I love when my wife walks by and just like comments on certain moments without seeing the episode. Cause there's sometimes some truth can be had out of just like catching a moment. She was like, Oh, he, he doesn't know he's dead yet. I was like, no, he does. And then two men enter the house and go and carry the coffin out of his bedroom. And I, and he is so confused and not picking up that he's dead yet. And I was, I was baffled. It was yeah. so frustrating because I was like, oh, I guess uh, I guess he doesn't know yet. <laughs> yeah, I wrote in my notes here, 11 minutes to go in the episode and they're carrying the coffin out of the episode. And it's like, he's like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, he said, it's just a dream. It'll be fine. And like, I like that his reaction to seeing his body carried out is kind of like, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of not like, it's one of those things where it's like, he's like, this can't be happening. And you know that his dead body's in that coffin. And it's just like, it's. It's kind of rough, but though his reaction to it, it's like, oh, shocks. It's just a dream. We're good. We would have gotten that raccoon if it wasn't all tricksy and caused us to fall in the water. He didn't say that. But um, at this point, I, I put in my notes, hey, Hamner, I like the script, but do you think the audience will understand that Hyder is dead? And, and, I, and I wrote his response would be, no, it's important that we spend 20 minutes explaining it over and over again. That's what I feel like was the discussion about this, because I feel like the character of Hyder just didn't get it. You know, like he didn't get that he was gone. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's just exhausting to watch yeah. as a viewer because yeah. like and we've known for what, 10 minutes now in the episode. Yeah. Like it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's whatever it's. um, So after that, they carry the box out and everything. He follows them. He kind of loses track of them and runs into a fence and he's confused because he doesn't remember the fence there. Goes around, finds a gate. There's a little booth there with a the gatekeeper in. Yeah. So, uh. Guy comes out, starts asking him questions, his name, age. Um, and then eventually he gets the question, how'd you die? And um, old man, just he's got he's like, I'm not dead. Like, feel me. I'm flesh and bone. Like, you can't see it. So he, he I'm basically 10 percent raccoon hunter. I don't know what to talk <laughs> about here. So he basically tells him that he doesn't flat out say it's heaven, but you realize that this is the afterlife of some some sort yeah. up ahead. And you see like the fog coming out of the brush down the trail a little bit past the gate. And um, so he's about to go through. 
the guy won't let the dog in. Well, I like that the gatekeeper, he like someone says Elysian, like as opposed to Elysian Fields. Oh, Elysian. Yeah. Yeah, he says Elysian. It's like it's just like this whole thing of like, <laughs> oh, it's great. You just gotta get past the fog, it's fine. And you know, there's there's like harps harp music and everything, and then Homer and Homer. I keep calling him Homer because I think just like I just like this guy feels like a Homer. Hyder is like, I don't know, I prefer guitar music myself. And he's so <laughs> like, you know, I don't well, know. Yeah, he's like your favorite hymns will be playing when you pass around that bend. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, li- I like the whiskey jug with the XXX written on it. You just blow in it sometimes, you know? Um, and But yeah, you find out that the gatekeeper will have the dog, and the dog's actually throwing a fit the entire time because, you know, yeah. reasons. But, um, yeah. but I like, even from the beginning, the gatekeeper is really quick, like, yeah. about trying to get him through the gate. Like, he's, he's asking him the questions without talking to him about anything else, acknowledging anything he's saying. And he's just trying to kind of shoo him through the gate. He's like, you know, the dog's not allowed in. Uh, maybe, maybe you go up ahead and I'll, I'll pass him over the gate. You know. Yeah, that means also like there's. <laughs> you said there's a dog heaven. Like later, he's like, you know what? No, 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 no. There's a separate dog heaven. Well, we'll get the dog over there, and then like Homer, Homer, sorry, Hyder wasn't hearing it. I don't know. I keep thinking Homer Simpson. I don't know. This feels very appropriate. Uh, and and uh, he's like, well, you know, if 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 if, if this place isn't good enough, to take me and and Rip. That's this. That's not the heaven I want to go to. Uh, the only positive I'll give about this episode is that I like the gatekeeper as a character and the actor, and I like his little guard post. It, it, yeah. it's, it feels modern. It's like this little tiny like uh, like castle tower. Like it's the it's it's just really it doesn't it doesn't fit the rest of the episode on purpose, and I like it. Yeah, but I I just like his performance as we were talking about at the beginning because like I said he's really quick about trying to get him through there. He's he's there's something yeah. that you just don't really trust about him. And obviously the dog freaking out the whole time, uh, isn't helping. Um, but so basically Hyder says like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, what else is out here? He's like, there's nothing. This is the eternal road or whatever. Eternity road. So he's like, yeah, I'll just, I'll do that. I'm just going to do that. So he wanders around and, uh, finds another stump to sit on and he sits down and out walks another man. Who uh, turns out to be an angel? Yeah, an angel that who's also wandering Eternity Road. Yeah, they can't deliver <laughs> lines to save his life. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, um, <laughs> he kind of looks like kind of like you know like Elvis is like second removed cousin. And he's just like, oh shucks, you know, like you, you know, like you know, you should come up one up here. And he's like, well, he's like, and, and Hyder was like, well, no, 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 the other guy back there was trying to get me to come into heaven too. He's like, oh no, no, that's the other place. And, you know, so the angel basically is like, you know, I, you know, you should come and join me. And then, then, then Hyder's like, where's your wings at? And then he's this whole, like, I don't know. I prefer bibbles to, to wings. He doesn't say that, but that's what you get the feeling from. And he also said that your dog pretty much tipped off that, uh, it didn't, it didn't approve of the, of this guy who was trying to get you to go to hell. And so yeah. Hyder, who never believed in anything and got a church burial because his wife recommended it is all about going to heaven now. You know, and so the, the 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 darkest point of this episode that when I was watching this first time with my wife, 
uh, she um, she flipped out at the very end because uh, after Hyder asked about coon hunting and all this other stuff and heaven has all this stuff, he was like, oh, he's like, you know, I'll go on up there. But, you know, I kind of miss my wife. The angel was like, oh, no, oh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. She'll be along directly, too, I'm told. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back the truck up. You're told that, you know, his wife's about to die. It's like, that is dark. And they're, they're all kind of all smiles about it. And then Hyder just wanders off to heaven with his dog. Sorry, yeah. dog. Yeah, I know. I called up. I I called on that too. That same line. I was just like, "Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I guess they, she's dead too." They buried the lead there pretty pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I like the I like that. Uh, there's going to be like square dances and coon hunts in heaven. So I just I, this feels like like Cracker Barrel white person heaven that that Hyder was about to walk into. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like it was this weird episode. And then he wanders off to heaven. Uh, you know, his wife's about to die. That's fine. I guess it's glazed over. And that's the, that's your episode right there. Like it was, yeah, it, no, no real second twist or anything at no. the end. Like, and just based on the fact that the other guy was lying to him, I didn't fully trust the angel character. Yeah, but uh, sure enough, the from what we know in the episode and what they tell us, that guy was telling the truth. So yeah. everything was as it appeared. Yeah, so, so it's just it's kind of a weird fizzling ending. Yeah, so, you know, if I'm going to say something nice about the episode. It's got sweet moments like the fact that he asks it because he basically asks about his wife. Um, is she going to be OK passing by the gatekeeper that he ran into? And she was he was like, oh, yeah, she'll make it fine. You know, like it's sweet. You know, they give a little moment earlier on the episode. You find out that they've been together 50 years and everything. And um, they've been through a lot together. And just his relationship with the dog and everything and not leaving him behind. Like, it's it's got some sweet moments of the episode. It's just the writing is so frustrating Yeah. Uh, in between there. And some of the performances for just being so over the top didn't really fit with that melancholic vibe that I think it was going for. Yeah. Um, but it, it was sweet. Like, it, I... I had a nice little smile at the end of it. I well, guess. good for you because I despise this episode. I, I really, really do. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's not great, but it's it, like I say, it's just it's got a few sweet little things going on. This this yeah. like I mean, spoiler alert. This is going to be in my uh, when we get to the end of the season. Like this is going to be down in my like least like uh, of like if we do like a bottom five or three or whatever. This is going to be right there because I just this this uh, like saccharine like just just homesteader bullshit like i don't like i don't know it's it's <laughs> it pissed me off and like it just oh, and, and and i love it oh i mean i'm not trying like like i love the anger i just it's just it's just there's there's nothing of worth that happens in this episode there's nothing at all that oh, happens so but such a nice relationship between a man and a dog yeah a man and his dog um dog. so uh, to, to come on, that's you, nice. That's worthwhile, right? Yeah, like my my favorite part of the episode was when the raccoon wins. That's not good. <laughs> uh, so Hamner was frustrated with Honeycutt's performance because uh. uh, he wanted it to be more comedic. Because the whole thing was supposed to be more like kind of tongue in cheek. Oh, and thank it, God! And he said it was supposed to be a romp, so it's supposed to be way more comedic. And oh, and, and uh, Honeycutt man, that would have been this, even worse. I just, but I don't know. Like I feel like Honeycutt played this so sincere. And as he was being like, you know, like this is this is not faint praise at all because I enjoy the thing I'm about to mention. I, have you ever seen the Red Green Show? With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I They're actually like, coming uh, not too far from us uh, in a few months. Well, we need to go because I, I love the yeah. Red Green Show. But there, there's something about that 
kind of like there's that G whiz kind of notion of um of them of Red Green and his nephew and um oh I forget the name of the the, the lodge and the lake that they're on in Canada but there's yeah. that kind of like there's that that kind of notion of like yeah you know what we're all kind of having this goofiness and that's fine like I can get behind that because there 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 is a a knowing wink that what they're saying is ridiculous the entire time this I never get the vibe. I feel like it's so sincere that this episode must be a warm hug. And it just, it just, it's like, it's like a hug from a distant relative that you don't know, but they're sincere. And you're like, I guess I'll take it. It's, it's, it's so weird. And I don't like it. I don't like it. And, and there's no, like the episode's called the hunt. What's the hunt. They fall in the water and die. Like I just, there's nothing here. There is no substance than, Hey, a guy that doesn't believe in God gets to go to heaven with his dog. Just because the dog barked at one of Satan's keepers. Like really? That's your episode. I don't know. I just, oh, um, yeah, I'm trying to find a quote. So I guess, uh, George Clayton Johnson loved this episode. <laughs> Um, he regards wow. it as one of his favorite episodes. Um, here's the here's the quote here I found on this uh, Twilight Zone blog. Um, With this story, Earl brings a southern country sensibility to Twilight Zone that is American to the core. Which assures that being simple <laughs> is not being stupid. The story is such a classic feeling that one is tempted to believe that Hamner may not have made up the story. Uh, but instead borrowed it from some ancient book of folk tales. It is stuck in my mind like fish hooks. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. And he's not the only one. Like, I mean, there's this episode. I see reviews that are like one of my favorites. I remember this as a child and like some people are on your side of the fence. I I feel like I'm in the minority just being like, meh. Yeah, <laughs> I'll never think about it ever again, but it wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, so not to drag this out too much. Like I mentioned that, like I hear some of the Southern like, like hooks in terms of like the, the accents and things. I just mentioned like the, the trauma that my family went through with all this. Like I just, there's something about this, this, uh, this, I don't know, like the Southern representation that pisses me off because it's like, this is the thing that I've kind of rallied against my whole life. And the, you know, and, 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 um, Honeycutt grew up in Arkansas, which is way South of where I grew up, but there's this whole like thing that I'm just, it just drives me nuts of the whole, like, like Beaumont said that this is, this is like Southern, but not like it's simple, but not stupid. Fine. I'll give you that. But there's Clayton some, Johnson, yeah, George, sorry, Clayton Johnson. George Clayton Johnson, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that said that it's like, it's, uh, I agree with that, but it's like, I still, I still despise this whole like <laughs> thing. Right. It's like, it's like, fine. Yeah. You're you're simple but not stupid. It doesn't mean you have to act like this. Like I don't know. Like the whole the whole old woman, old man, whatever. Like I, I, I fine. It's just there, there's something here that feels like people will remember this, but it's not at all accurate. You know, and it just drives me nuts. And that that's me. Nobody else. And it's a, it's a weirdly oddly specific cross to bear. But this is the stuff that just drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see where you're coming from. I totally understand it. Yeah, like I said, I didn't necessarily enjoy the episode, but I, I think there are a few sweet moments in it that just saved this for me from just being a total failure. 
Yeah. I, I like that I was attributing Beaumont, who was like this forward thinker as opposed to George Clayton Johnson, who, which we like as well, but he's not the same, same writer. But yeah. Uh, so no. yeah. Anyway, that's my mistake. Um, so a minister wrote in to raise the issue of how a, how Hyder made it into heaven by being a good person, uh, but not because he believed in Jesus and Serling, uh, you know, kind of wrote back and was like, you know, if he, you know, if he didn't agree with his viewpoint, there are many other religions that also kind of agree with like just being a good person. So certainly didn't like tell the minister that he's like, you know what, the 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 Judeo Christian way of getting to heaven is the right way. He's like, you know what, I respect what you're saying, but not every religion is the same way. So I like that he took the time to write back to somebody being like, well, that's just your opinion. Like I like that. So yeah, um, yeah, I just. I don't know, man. I just, I, I never want to watch this episode ever, ever again. That uh, I'm, I'm good. And, and that I'm glad we're past it and we're on to the next thing. Oh, I, I love when you hate the episodes. So I, just, I just, it's not, it's not where I want to be, but I just, I don't like this. One, <laughs> I know. So. Yeah. Um, oh, there's something else I was going to bring up about it, but, oh yeah. The, uh, the look of it. I, I think the episode looked pretty good too. Yeah, it did look good. And, it was one of those things I wish this was I wish there would have been color back then, because when he does get to the actual gates of heaven, I guess, if you're going to say like all of the scenery and the plants and everything looks so lush in the background, it would have been that would have been one of those great moments for like color to kick in. You know, if they were doing something uh, modern day with like yeah, this type fun. of story, because it, it, it looked amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I assume it was a fake set and everything, but it looked great. Yeah, it did. So, so there's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I got nothing else proper to say about the episode. Did you just want to get to the twist? Yeah, yeah, let's All do right. it. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna give this a zero. I don't know how to get. There's no twist here. It's Honeycut falls in the water. Not Honeycut. Sorry, Hyder, Homer, whoever, Simpson. Falls in the water. The raccoon lives. I guess the twist is I'll give it a one because I like the raccoon. He lived. I just, there's nothing here. There's just, he went off to go hunt. He died. He didn't realize he was dead. He didn't realize it was hell. And then he just stumbled into heaven and natured. If the twist is that the dog knew what was going on the entire time. Great. Yeah. The, the devil can't trick a dog or whatever he says. I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I give it a two. I didn't necessarily realize when it was happening that it was uh, the gatekeeper was trying to trick him into hell. So, I mean, at least something shocked me in this episode <laughs> as far as the story. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll give it a two. Was it great? No. It was. It was kind of a meandering end to the episode. Like I said, he just kind of just kind of fizzles out. He just kind of walks away. Like yeah. that's it. I mean, there, there, there's something that could have been had here. And, and, and I'll say that as a, as a backhanded compliment, like, I feel like there could have been something here. I feel like there could have been a better, a better way of hiding the fact that Homer didn't quite make it. Uh, Hider. Hider. Oh, Jesus, what is wrong with me? I keep saying Homer. Like, don't like, I feel like it, it's, that's the way to go. Right. I feel like Homer, Homer Simpson didn't quite make it out of this episode. Uh, Hider Simpson. <laughs> Uh, great grandfather of uh, Homer Simpson um, didn't quite make it. I, there's something here that could have been had. Um, the idea that you know he doesn't believe anything and, and is like wandering along this path, 
that could have been interesting. I just, I just feel like this thing is so heavy handed the entire time that I just, I just, I checked out so early on and I guess that's me being biased, but the twilight zone is capable of much better than this. And I also feel like that Serling, even with his intro, he kind of felt like listless and kind of just like annoyed with what it was going. And that's me reading into it. He doesn't even say raccoon race is raccoon. So I don't think he even cares about what's going on. So I yeah. don't know. This is well, a missed opportunity from what it sounds like from what it sounds like. Um, oh my God. What's the uh, writer's name? Homer. No, that's not right. It's Hamner. Yeah. Hamner. Um, had some fantastic episodes throughout his uh, tenure with the twilight zone. So I'm glad they didn't give up on him after this. And I'm glad he didn't give up after being frustrated with what ended up happening with the shooting, the episode and everything and being unhappy with the final product. Um, But there are definitely seeds that something good is coming from this writer. Um, Like I said, there are moments that I enjoyed in this. Maybe it's just because I'm a fairly new dog owner. And <laughs> just the fact you're, that you're a leave fairly dog. new dog owner, yeah, a dog so. owner. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just something like that. That just a, that do, little bit of him not wanting okay. to leave his dog for the for the time yeah. that you've known your dog. Do you think your dog would be capable of knowing that 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 there's a portal to hell? And then, well, like, you know, he barks at everyone <laughs> and everything. So I wouldn't be able to tell when he was actually barking because somebody was. <laughs> Uh, maybe the devil trying to coax me into hell or just an angel or yeah. just a cat that's meowing outside or a dog barking on TV. I mean, they all have the same reaction. So <laughs> I like the idea that you're just like, what is a boy? It could or could not be hell. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So, or it could just be, uh, something you think you see outside. <laughs> it's either the devil coming to take me to hell or, um, the reflection of yourself in the yeah. glass plane while you're looking out. <laughs> or a leaf that blew by the window <laughs> that you may have thought was a squirrel. So I mean the argument that the animals sense things that maybe people don't, like I, I like not to not to drag this out too much, but it's like you you've <laughs> known like you've been around probably people or animals that are like, you know what? That 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 cat or dog does not like that person. And it's like, well, that person's kind of an asshole. Like, did you ever get? You've seen that happen before. I've seen that happen before. Where yeah, definitely. You know, so I mean, I guess the whole notion that a dog can't be tricked into like going to hell—that's fine, I guess. But it's just like Hyder Simpson just pisses me off the entire time this episode. <laughs> so, and it, it, whatever. It just I, I I mean, it's a character. Like, there's no is. nuances in the performance. It's just. Like he's, he's playing that character. Yeah. So it's, you either, you either enjoy it or you don't. And and, yeah, that that is fair. That is one of the two options for this. So, you know, (laughs) it's like, I I think the wife, uh, the old lady played that type of a character, uh, toned down a lot. And I enjoyed her performance a lot more than I did Hyder. Yeah, that's fair. So it like, it, you can do it without becoming like a cartoon character of a Southern person, you know, but he definitely does not do that. Again, it might just be me imprinting upon my frustration and just absolute rebellion against the notion that I grew up South of the Mason Dixon and I will not talk a certain way. 
Like that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's on me for feeling like you can be Southern and you can be proud and you can be established, but you don't have to be a goddamn hick. You know, like I feel like that's the whole thing. And maybe it's me bringing that, that baggage in this episode. So if that's the case, I apologize to everybody, but otherwise I just, this was just, it hit me in all the wrong ways. Maybe it's just my upbringing and that's that. So maybe, yeah. maybe this is a delightful episode. You can't convince me, but again, uh, I, me. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah. The fact that people are so split on this episode yeah. baffles me. Cause I can't see how anyone would say like, you know, out of all these amazing episodes we've seen, like this, this <laughs> one, like this is yeah. one of the best. Like I just, uh, I, I can't objectively even see that you know? <laughs> like art is subjective, but like, I, I can't see how somebody would be like, this is one of my favorites. That, uh, I definitely, I definitely did not, uh, hate it, but I just, I don't understand how I, somebody could hold this up. Like George Clayton Johnson, even, uh, given this holding this in such high regard, yeah. I just, I don't understand. I will say that I enjoyed the previous two episodes more. Than, than this one and that that is oh, not fantastic. high praise right yeah. and and also to tie it into the real world before before we get to the wrap-up here there is an online petition uh like that has like fifty thousand people that have signed on to save daryl's dog in the walking dead like mm. uh, because there's the potential that the dog could die um so i didn't know he had a dog so. i don't i don't i don't watch the walking dead and not yeah, because I it's bad either. i just i it's just you know it, that's a whole other conversation for another time but it's just like i'm glad people were interested and actively involved in a horror series that's ongoing and it was yeah. the, one of the highest rated things ever for a long time great i haven't watched it and the fact that there's a dog and everyone's like well the dog can't die well you know, great. And there's a petition that just shows people are more interested in animals. They have no idea they're on a film and or TV set, you know, that they're just like, they're, they're gorgeous and they're animals, but people don't want to see an animal die, you know? So that, that has not changed. And they, they give more weight to the animals on the screen than the characters. Sorry, the actors. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just fell off a of walking dead. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, all right. So anyway, that's going to do it for the hunt and we will never speak of this again until the season three wrap up. And then this will be mentioned again. Spoiler. Um, all right, Kevin, how can people find us? Well, this will be my number one on my favorite for the season. So spoiler, <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about it again. No. Um, yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at strange highways podcast. Um, you can subscribe to us and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find face, uh, find podcasts. We are there. Yeah. Um, but definitely please rate and review us on iTunes. That is where it looks like most people are getting us from. So um, that one would help us out the most. And um, I will plug it one more time and then I will let it go into the history of the show. Um, if you haven't checked out the live episode from uh October, please go on the Facebook, check it out. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Next episode is a showdown with Rance McGrew. Another, another Western type episode, but this one's has yeah, a twist. So yeah. I, I was going to say before you uh, watch that episode, definitely check out Bell to Buster Scruggs. Yeah. I'm hoping get, to get to get it. it maybe, maybe this weekend we'll see. I'm hoping maybe, maybe I'll report back for before yeah. we talk about this. So maybe that'll be my goal. Not even just you talking yeah. to the listeners, yeah. like everyone. If you're listening to this and we're about to do another Western Twilight Zone, get in the mood. Watch some uh, Buster Scruggs. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. I'm going to I'm gonna mess this up because I read this earlier and I'm like, it is, it is, 
it, 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 it's full of hurdles for me to clear here. So showdown with Rance McGrew. So this is what Sterling said next week. We offer you a Hollywood television cowboy who takes in several bills a week for killing off bad men. Mr. Larry Blyden portrays one of these phony balonies who always wins in the end. But in this little item, he draws from the hip and realizes his opponent is smack dab out of this world. We invite your attention to showdown with Rance McGrew next week's Stagecoach Sojourn in the Twilight Zone. I cannot believe I got through that. And it's brought to yeah. you by some kind of cigarettes. That's going to be that. <laughs> is that the brand? No, I don't know. It's, not, <laughs> no. Yeah. it's brought to you by McGrew Cigarettes, the real taste of the trail. Now, um, so yeah, uh, this will be fun. I like the idea of um, someone who plays. It, it's the three amigos thing, right? And I'm sure we'll end up mentioning that next week. The whole like you're portraying yourself as a hero and you have these heroic acts, but then you're faced with the reality. So I've not seen this one yet. I feel like that's what's going on. Yeah, I immediately think it's going to be a comedy, but um, I, I guess we'll find out. I've never seen this one. Yeah. So, all right. So that's going to do it for this week and our, our really long conversation about everything outside of the hunt. So I hope you guys enjoyed all that previous to that. And yeah. um, we'll see you next time for Showdown with Rance McGrew. Yep. See you guys. Two days ago, a bird flew in the house and bit on your side of the bed and nearly scared me to death.